You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. All right, everybody. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio and welcome to Billion Dollar Ballers. I'm your host, Jack Christides. And this is the show where we discuss sports business from the NCAA all the way up to the major leagues. Uh, we've got a good show for you today. Lots to talk about. Lots of NBA drama. Don't know if anybody heard about the Anthony Davis news, but Anthony Davis of the Los Angeles Lakers, he's going to be out for at least a month. Obviously, one of the uh, one of the best players in the NBA on one of the biggest franchises. So that's uh, that's tough to hear. And uh, the Lakers played the Nets last night, which was a, a potential finals matchup, if you ask me, a likely finals matchup. Um, but without Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant, not quite what it could be. So uh, just a little intro there. Just big NBA news going on right now. We'll talk a little bit more about some other NBA news, some more business-related NBA news here in a little bit. Uh, there's been some drama between Draymond Green and the league lately. Uh, who know he's no stranger to drama, so we'll talk about that. Uh, we're also going to return to, uh, and it feels like we can't get away from it, the Super Bowl. Now, um, if you're wondering why I'm talking about the Super Bowl two weeks later, let's not forget how how big of an event the Super Bowl is, right? I mean, it's always the most viewed thing on television of the whole calendar year in the United States. And uh, this year was obviously a little different with COVID, but it's also one of the largest in-person events in the United States. Uh, drives an insane amount of revenue, and it's really just a massive, massive event. Uh, so with that being said, let's get into it. Let's do it. The Super Bowl generated $95.8 million in media value for its top five sponsors this year. Almost $100 million in revenue. That's a crazy figure right there. Um, And they're saying that new introduced sideline LED tarps, LED seat tarps, accounted for 40% of that overall value, according to Gum Gum Sports. Now, 40%, I mean, that seems like a massive figure to me for a brand new advertising method. If you didn't see the LED tarps, what they are is essentially... Uh, basically they're just tarps that covered the seats and they were able to get LED displays on them so they could advertise different brands throughout the, throughout the game. So like for five minutes it would say Pepsi on it. And then the next thing you know, it said Anheuser-Busch on it or something like that. So pretty cool tech right there, uh, showing the innovation that the NFL has, obviously trying to find new ways to present sponsors with value, um, and taking advantage of the fact that not all the seats were full at the Super Bowl this year, although it seemed plenty loud to me. Um, Pepsi, in particular, received about $13.5 million in value um, from broadcast, broadcast graphic and signage during the weekend's halftime show alone. So uh, when you look at that, Pepsi is accounting for a little over 10% of the total value. Uh, which is pretty incredible, although they do have the halftime show, which is obviously a major plus. Um, these figures are based on analysis from six assets, 
there were a total of 353 exposures and 2,300 seconds on screen uh, with Verizon, Pepsi, Anheuser-Busch, Gatorade, and DraftKings gaining the most visibility uh, during the NFL's showpiece fixture, the Super Bowl. Uh, obviously, again, if you needed any reminder, which I don't know why you would, uh, the Buccaneers stormed to a 31-9 to victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, but, you know, this is a business show, so we got to talk about the Tarps. we got to talk about the amount of money behind the scenes. Uh, if you want some context, um, the move to those LED tarps is something that could most likely drive value for a lot of other leagues, too. Uh, the NHL is saying that if they switch to these assets, it could drive about $16 million per team in media value. Um, so it's probably something that you're going to see in other leagues as well. Uh, furthermore, the halftime, bra- the halftime graphic for the Super Bowl produced $9.4 million in media value for Pepsi. Uh, and Verizon... Uh, received $26.5 million in media value as well. So, big numbers there. Moving forward, got some more NFL news to talk about in the second half of this segment. Uh, not Super Bowl related, though. Actually, salary cap related. Now, you hear me talking all the time about how this is going to affect the salary cap and that's going to affect the salary cap and, and that's going to mean teams can't afford stars and all of these different things that I, I say routinely on this show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's finally happened. Uh, the NFL announced that there will be a decreased salary cap for 2021. Uh, that being said, they did raise the minimum to $180 million. So now if you'll remember, we talked about it months ago on the show, almost prior to the NFL season, I believe, uh, that it was likely that the NFL cap would go down for the first time since the last lockout. Um, at that time, the league and the players agreed they would not allow the cap to dip below $175 million. So that being said, right now, the NFL has just established that the minimum salary cap will be $180 million. Now that's still a large dip from last year but it is a slight increase from the floor that the NFL Players Association and the league agreed upon last summer. Uh, That memo, again, went out yesterday. Uh, They're expecting the final number of the cap to be between 180 and 185 million, uh, though almost certainly on the lower end of that range. Uh, Again, this is something that was negotiated with the team's Last year, uh, when they were dealing with the fallout of the COVID-19 pandemic, remember, if there was no season um, or if there were uh, situations that we didn't see that would have resulted in more spending, uh, there was potential for this league cap to drop below $135 million, um, which obviously would have been devastating. Now, another thing that I talk about all the time uh, is that the way they do the contracts in the NFL is they backload them. So they build out these contracts expecting the salary cap to increase by a certain percentage every single year. So that's why your favorite players will be making like $8 million in 2018, 
10 million in 2019 and 15 million in 2020 and, and so on and so forth. So um, clearly that can backfire if the salary cap actually goes down. You're expecting to pay a player more than you did the year before because the salary cap will be higher, but now the salary cap is lower. I can also affect franchise tags. The way franchise tags work is you're getting paid uh, an average of what the top players in your position are making. Now, if the top players in your position are still scheduled to make more year over year because of an increasing salary cap, you're going to be making an insanely large percentage of the new salary cap that's now lower uh, than you would have. Um, and that's had some fallout for sure. Um, and that's finally here and bearing fruit as well. Uh, there are many superstars in the NFL who are either going to have to be cut or traded because the team simply can't afford them. Uh, if no one's heard the news so far, it sounds like Odell Beckham Jr. will be traded. He's had a couple injury-ridden years, but one of the NFL's best wide receivers uh, is likely to be traded because his team simply can't afford him. Uh, the league salary cap rises $10 million per year on average since 2012. 2020 salary cap was $198.2 million. That's a $20 million decrease. $30 million swing if you account for the expected $10 million in growth. So, what players could be cut? Well, we've already seen J.J. Watt, Kwan Short, A.J. Bouye, some, some stars in the league. They've already been let go. But some more strong candidates for le- relief include Alshon Jeffrey, Malik Jackson, Marquise Goodwin. They're all on the Eagles, and the Eagles have potentially the worst cap situation here. They're already well over the cap, and they just traded what was their star quarterback, Carson Wentz. If you didn't hear about that, make sure you Google that. Go check some of that out. Carson Wentz got traded to the Colts. Now, he's actually going to carry the biggest dead cap hit of all time for the NFL. If you're not familiar with dead cap, dead cap is the amount of money that a team still owes a player after they've traded him. The amount of money that you owe a player that doesn't even play for you. Now, with the Eagles, Carson Wentz's dead cap hit is $33.8 million. Massive, massive number there and the largest number in NFL history. So clearly they're not in a very good place cap-wise. They're probably going to have to let go of some stars. Um, Number of players on the Lions as well. Uh, Jimmy Graham's a big name that um, most likely will be released from the Bears. They sold their gold Tate on the Giants. Uh, Super Bowl-winning Tampa Bay Buccaneers likely going to lose tight ends. Cameron Brace. Um, we'll see what ends up happening there. Just so many teams. Uh, let's go to the Falcons. Safety Ricardo Allen, uh, guard James Carpenter, and defensive tackle Alan, ba- Alan Bailey likely releases. So just so many big names uh, likely to change teams. I told you guys, this salary cap thing is no joke. When you lose revenue and your salary cap goes down, you lose franchise players, and the league as a whole is going to change dramatically. Um, so 
pretty crazy report out of the NFL there. We'll see what ends up happening. Um, very quickly, uh, actually, you know what? Let's uh, let's close out with this. Uh, someone we didn't even mention yet, and that's Dak Prescott. It is very unlikely, in my opinion, that Dak Prescott gets the franchise tag. And I'm going to spend about a minute talking about this because uh, it's one of the biggest stories in the NFL right now. And, and I think it's a good example of how a lot of the times I think sports fans see a situation like a Dak Prescott and they say, hey, this guy's a pretty good quarterback. I can't believe that the Cowboys want to get rid of him. Why do they not like Dak Prescott? Why do they not think he's good? He causes no problems off the field. He's played so well for them. Uh, made a playoff run. I can't believe that Jerry Jones and the Cowboys would let him go. You have to look behind the scenes. Sports is driven by money. The Cowboys don't have a ton of cap room. They don't have a ton of cap room. And if they, they can't franchise tag their quarterback, because that'll throw them over the cap, and they don't want to give him too big of a deal because they know the salary cap is going down and, and he's going to take up too big a chunk of it, and they've already paid their other stars too much, expecting the salary cap to go up. So don't be surprised if the Cowboys don't pay Dak Prescott a lot of money. Not because they don't want to. Because they can't. Just a little behind the scenes there, kind of trying to reframe how you guys look at sports. But, you know, this is a quick-moving show. I hope you learned a little bit from that first segment. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk some NBA basketball. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. All right, everybody, welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers on America's Web Radio. And welcome back to some NBA discussion. Uh, this one's a doozy. I don't know if anyone's familiar with the situation that Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin are in right now. Um, but I'm going to break it down uh, a little bit. And, and maybe you know that a lot of these players... Uh, are likely to be traded. Draymond Green uh, recently talked about it, and we'll get into that. But Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond are likely to be traded, and their teams have actually announced that they will be traded in the near future. 
Uh, the two former Pistons stars have uh, a lot more in common than you might think. Not only did they play for the Pistons, not only are they likely and going to be traded shortly, they also both been sat by their team recently. And they're both completely healthy. Now, sitting a player involved in trade talks is common enough, especially when a deal is near. Uh, teams don't want, you know, teams don't want an injury. They don't want to jeopardize any agreement. And uh, obviously, no one blinks an eye when a baseball manager pulls the starter who just got dealt by the general manager. But the NBA has kind of taken this idea of bubble wrapping healthy players uh, from figure speech there. They kind of taken it to a different level. Um, it's a month before the trade deadline. There are no potential trade partners in sight for these players. Uh, and the Pistons and Cavaliers have each made the decision to bench their star while he's being shot. Uh, the announcement that Blake Griffin would sit came on Monday, uh, and Cleveland did the same thing for Andre Drummond the same day as well. Now, Andre Drummond's a two-time All-Star. Uh, he'd started the team's previous 25 games he was averaging a double-double uh, with over 13 rebounds a game. He's a pretty great player. That being said, the Cavaliers did just trade for Jared Allen. Uh, so the choices to move Griffin and Drummond aren't terribly surprising. Uh, both of these teams are also rebuilding. But the timing, to me, it's just bizarre. It's still a young season. And the situation is unusual, to say the least. Um, it raises questions, are these teams trying to tank? And, and it also raises questions of, should the teams be allowed to do this? I mean, one, if a player's already been traded, it, obviously you can't play them. Or if a, if a player's likely to be traded in the next couple days, or the next week even... Maybe you don't, yeah, you don't want him to get hurt, sit him out. But telling a player that he can't play when he has signed a contract for your team, that he will play basketball in the NBA, and that's what you will pay him to do, and then not playing him, that's kind of crazy. It, in my mind, at least. And I don't seem to be alone in that belief. Uh, Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors, he came out, and he said that the NBA has a double standard when it comes to player trade. Uh, he called it, I'm quoting here, bullshit, and contrasted it, uh, the situation with Andre Drummond uh, and Blake Griffin to James Harden asking out of the Houston Rockets organization. And I'll paraphrase, paraphrase here basically what he said, but he was talking about Andre Drummond. He said, that he, he starts on the sidelines uh, in his game warm-ups, and then he goes to the back and comes out in street clothes because the team is going to trade him. And, and no one's getting mad at the team, right? I mean, no one's upset that the Cavaliers are doing this. But when James Harden asks for a trade uh, and gets fat and basically doesn't try for a month, uh, like, no one, uh, everyone is getting upset with James Harden and calling him a cancer to the team, and, and, and they destroy him. With that being said, a team can turn around, they can come and say, 
we want to trade a guy, uh, and then that guy is forced to go sit. He can't play professional basketball. If he gets angry about it, then he's a cancer. So you can see how it's a total double standard. Um, it's just, it's definitely not fair to the players. Now, you can see why there is a double standard. I mean, on some level, fans of these teams understand why the players are being sat. And fans resent the players if they have to get traded from their own team. That makes sense there. But I do agree with Draymond Green. There is a little bit of a double standard here. But here's where it all kind of turns on its head. Isn't there supposed to be a double standard? Aren't the teams more important than the players on some level? And understanding that everything is driven by the money at hand. Doesn't it make total sense that the teams are doing what they need to do to preserve that money? Look at it from the flip side. What if Andre Drummond did get hurt? What if they played him and he did get hurt? Sucks for the team, they can't trade him. Next thing you know, Andre Drummond is stuck on the Cleveland Cavaliers for the rest of the year. He's not going to get a contract extension there. They don't want him, clearly. And now, he's had a major injury in this hypothetical scenario. Fingers crossed that doesn't happen. He's had an injury. The Cavs don't resign him. He hits the free agency market. He didn't pull in nearly as much money as he thought he would. Now let's look at what's going on right now. They're sitting him out. He's getting some rest. He's getting healthy. He's not having to play. He has no risk. He's still getting paid. He's still getting paid to, pay, to play basketball while not playing basketball. And eventually he'll get traded to another team. And maybe he'll start working on a contract extension. Clearly that team wants him. He didn't just get hurt. He's not an injury risk. And he ends up with a long-term lucrative deal at that new team. So these are two different scenarios. And I'm not saying either one is a certainty of what could or will happen. But I just want everyone to realize that it is logical what the NBA is doing right now logical what the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Detroit Pistons are doing right now. Again, you have to look at everything through the lens of sports is a business. And the decisions that teams make will start to make a lot more sense. LeBron James actually went forward and agreed with Draymond Green, if anyone was wondering. Biggest name in the NBA by far. Most impact in the NBA by far. He thinks Draymond Green's right. Uh, he said, from a team's perspective, they control the narrative. They've controlled the narrative for how players should be, how they act, how they should be treated in the organization. We just want people to understand that there's two sides of the coin. It's not just one-sided. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. It's not the teams that control the narrative, LeBron. It's not the teams that are presenting one side of the coin. It's the sports media. The sports media world are the people that are currently telling you are currently telling you that teams shouldn't be shamed for wanting to sit a player who's getting traded 
that players should be shamed when they request a trade. So don't direct your anger at the teams, at the very people who pay your salaries. Look to the sports media. We have to hold the sports media to a better standard. And don't get me wrong, I've seen plenty of people coming out lately disagreeing with what Draymond Green and LeBron James have been saying. But we have to... We have to hold them to a higher standard. And this is my way of saying I think a lot more programs need to be more honest with fans and be more upfront and just say, hey, it's a business. And not just it's a business. They're doing what is in their financial best interest. Point blank, period. When you start thinking like that as a sports fan, you start thinking as more of an educated consumer. And a lot of these decisions will make a lot more sense, I promise you. Uh, with that being said, while we're closing out an NBA segment, we've got to talk about the biggest announcement that just came out. All-Star Game starters revealed. Uh, in the West, we've got Luka Doncic, Stephen Curry, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, and Kawhi Leonard. No pun intended, star-studded All-Star lineup. Uh, and then take a look at the East. You got Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. All star captains this year are LeBron and Kevin Durant. Should be interesting to see who those guys take as their reserves. Uh, obviously, the Nets and the Lakers played last night. Uh, Pretty much the two premier franchises right now in the NBA. Uh, so it's pretty fitting for their two superstars to be the captains of the All-Star team. If you're wondering when the NBA All-Star game is, it's Sunday, March 7th. Uh, obviously, all that protesting we talked about last week uh, with LeBron and many other players not wanting the All-Star game to go forward, not wanting to play in the All-Star game. Obviously, that did nothing. Uh, the NBA All-Star Game is going forward as planned. Uh, looking forward to that. And again, something we have to keep an eye on, folks, as we're watching this All-Star Game, and this will be the last point I make in this segment. As we're watching this All-Star Game, don't forget, this is where a lot of future deals are made. Players can recruit other players on this weekend. It's happened before. It's happened many a time. Most recently, LeBron and Anthony Davis, actually. Uh, but before that, uh, or actually, you know what? That's not even the most recent. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, famous hallway conversation that they had. So uh, keep in mind that behind the scenes, probably a lot of players trying to recruit other players. And also keep in mind there is a potential COVID fallout here. If we do see COVID cases arise. It does mean that we sort of proved some of the players who were protesting this event right. Obviously, we hope none of them do get COVID, but again, why is it happening? Money, money, money. Money talks, folks. Huge revenue driver. Huge exposure overseas Break. in the uh, Southern American market as well. So it makes sense why they're doing it, but just keep an eye on it. Potential COVID risk. Uh, with that being said, that'll end our coverage of the NBA today, at least until the lightning round where we have a few small stories. Um, 
We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, sports trading cards again. The news does not stop rolling out on that topic. A okay, lot let's break. to talk about. So we're going to take it to a short break right now and then come back for that. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. All right, everybody, welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. Welcome back to some conversation about sports trading cards. I know it's crazy that these things are back, but we've talked about it before, and they really are back in the forefront right now. A major investment that a lot of people have been getting involved in. Uh, Let's talk about a LeBron James card, and a big LeBron James card at that. Prices are soaring right now in the high-end collectibles market. Uh, cards of stars like Mike Trout and LeBron James are in the same discussion as those of Honus Wagner and Mickey Mantle. Um, and uh, if you'll remember, those are million-dollar cards. So uh, a man by the name of Aaron Davis, uh, he bought a LeBron James trading card, a one-of-a-kind card, um, in 2016 for $312,000. Now, that assessment has not been officially retracted, but only five years later, the card could fetch well over ten times that at auction right now. In July, another James card sold for $1.8 million. $1.8 million for a card. So as you can imagine, a lot of people have been wanting to invest in sports cards. We've seen a number of businesses pop up. Um, I was... Browsing, uh, browsing these stories uh, just a couple days ago, and I saw that uh, you can now trade trading cards on StockX, which is something extremely interesting. Um, as I'm sure many of you are aware, StockX, the online e-commerce platform um, that allows you to sell fashion items, Xboxes, mostly shoes was how it started, but uh, the resale market is exploding. Um, now, Today's cards haven't quite caught up with the cards of the past. Uh, a Honus Wagner baseball card from the early 20th century has long been considered the holy grail of collecting, uh, with the few good ones that exist selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars, 30 years ago, that is. And now they're worth a few million each. Uh, all the way back as January 1952, a Mickey Mantle rookie card set a record when it sold for $5.2 million dollars. 
the difference with what's going on now is players no longer have to be dead or even retired for their cards to sell for astronomical figures. Until that Mantle card sold, the most money ever paid for a sports card was $3.9 million for a Mike Trout rookie card made by Bowman in 2009. $4 million for a player who's still playing. Uh, the buyer of that Trout card, who remains anonymous, could have purchased a Brooklyn Brownstone for that amount. Uh, instead, they spent it on a small piece of cardboard depicting a 29-year-old baseball player who's never won a World Series. Giannis Antetokounmpo, a rookie card produced by Panini, fetched $1.9 million. Antetokounmpo is 26. He barely has eight seasons in the NBA. He has a full career ahead of him. He can't even get the ball in the last five minutes. I mean, these cards are exploding. So the question is, are they going to hold this value? Is this like the Beanie Baby bubble? Or is this something that's going to maintain over decades to come, or at least years to come. I don't have an answer for you. This is one of those things that is so unpredictable. Uh, I mean, the industry is exploding. It, it makes sense why it's exploding. It's it's something that a lot of people are into. I mean, the shoe trading market, the, the shoe reselling market, and the other collectible markets are something that's huge right now. So I... I see no reason why the market would decline, but it does appear to me that it is a little bit artificially inflated right now. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. You see a lot of people now going out buying boxes of these cards, going to Pokemon cards or another thing uh, that's been exploding lately. McDonald's recently did a thing where they were giving out Pokemon cards and their Happy Meals, and you had people like my brother, these people that are uh, always looking for a quick way to make some cash going in and paying $400 for the whole giant box of Pokemon cards, because those are reselling for hundreds and thousands of dollars. Logan Paul, uh, who's, who we've talked about on the show, the one who was supposed to box Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul recently sold a box, one single box, Pokemon card pack, for a million dollars. So we're at a point now where anything that is remotely collectible, anything you would think about trading or, or holding on to as a collectible investment, the values are exploding right now. And it's, uh, it's crazy to see. I mean, it's something that... I mean, because you, you had the baseball cards in the 70s and the 80s, right? Those were big investments. There was a big boom. Clearly, that seemed like the phenomena had died down a bit. Uh, I think it got replaced in a lot of ways by comic books at the time and some dolls and then shoes, and now we're back to the cards. Uh, so with the return to the cards, there's been an unexpected rise of NBA Top Shot. Um, I'll explain that a little bit. And what this signifies is that sports memorabilia is no longer solely associated with tangible assets. Uh, NBA Top Shot is a blockchain-based marketplace that's exploded with basketball enthusiasts. Fans are buying, selling, and trading assets in the same fashion as trading cards. Except these collectibles aren't cards. They're not cardboard. 
their licensed digital moments of top NBA highlights. They're released individually or in packs with varying levels of scarcity. A 13-second clip of Zion's first career block sold for $100,000. One look at the 24-hour movement of this market shows just how much this craze has caught on. They have a total volume of $8 million in the last 24 hours, 22,000 sellers, 13,000 buyers. Uh, a 1 in 275 Jamal Murray dunk was bought six months ago for $21 and sold Thursday for six ninety nine. A 1 of 7,500 Steph Curry three-pointer was bought a month ago for $29 and sold Thursday for 349 You can buy these digital highlights using cryptocurrency, uh, and they're linked to serial numbers that guarantee authenticity. However, buyers don't own the highlights outright. Intellectual property rights still belong to the NBA. So if this all seems confusing, I get it. It is a little bit confusing. But in layman's terms, what we have here is the ability to license from the NBA individual highlight moments. So imagine Michael Jordan hits the shot and you're able to own that 20-second clip. I'm going to say own it. The NBA still technically owns it, so you're licensing it, I suppose. But you're able to pay for the right of that 15-second highlight in its digital form. Imagine the value that that would hold today it would be immense I mean you'd still be able to see the shot uh, you can still see these highlights on Sports Center and, and things like that but you own a digital playing card that plays that highlight and only a certain amount of other people actually own that same thing so it is actually limited to me, this has potential way beyond the playing cards. I think this is where the playing cards are going. Uh, and they're starting to sell all, all sorts of things. Not only does NBA likeness like it, they're starting to sell moments from every single sport. They're starting to sell so many different types of highlights, so many digital prints from artists and things like that. The online collectible market is something that is really going to, in my mind, continue to explode. Um, Again, NBA tops powered by blockchain. Uh, it's developed by Dapper Labs. Uh, it has over 65,000 users right now. It's handled over $85 million in transactions. Uh, and last week, they announced plans for a $250 million fundraiser at a $2.5 billion valuation. Uh, the company says it's already profitable. So I think NBA Top Shot is here to stay. Um, I think it's going to be the, the way of the future, the way basketball enthusiasts collect memorabilia. I'm probably going to go in and open up some packs on there. Um, now, I do want to stress this, as I've said before. I'm no investment expert. I'm not telling you to go invest in this. I don't know that it's a good idea. I don't know that it's a bad idea. I always go into these scenarios expecting myself to lose my money, right? So I'm going to buy some of these packs and open them up, and I expect that my greatest moment that I'm going to have 
is going to be uh, the ball boy handing someone the ball to inbound. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't expect someone to get some crazy uh, LeBron James is 35,000 point highlight. But there is an opportunity to make some money here, and, and I'll track my progress, I guess, and, and let you guys know how it goes over the next couple months. And and really, this is something that even if you're not making money, I just think it's cool to own a lot of these moments virtually. Uh, so you'd be able to show your grandkids maybe some some cool moments that be like, hey, uh, I'm sure you've heard that this LeBron James guy was one of the best players ever. Well, here's a video of him uh, getting his 35,000th point, which, by the way, if you're wondering why I keep saying that, congrats to LeBron. Last night he became the youngest player ever to get to 35,000 points. So super big achievement there. Obviously, very proud of LeBron. Uh, we're going to cut this segment a little bit short. We actually have to leave slightly early today, but don't worry. We'll have plenty of time for the lightning round. Uh, that's why we're going to cut this one a little bit short. Um, so with that being said, we're going to take our last quick break, come back, and hammer out a great lightning round. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. everybody welcome back to billion dollar ballers welcome back to our final segment and as always welcome back to the lightning round it's a crazy one today uh so many big stories in sports business this week uh, and we covered three of the biggest ones in the show already but even so a lot still going on we're going to jump to our neighbors to the north here in the United States and talk about Canada for a minute. Legal sports betting in Canada now appears eminent. Uh, Single-event sports betting could be legalized nationwide there, as already Canadians wager each year around $7.9 billion through illegal sportsbook. Uh, now, Canada's House of Commons passed a bill allowing for single-event sports gambling by a 305-15 to 15 measure. Uh, 
you know, this this had the support of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. I'm not the biggest fan of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, but we don't have to get into that today. But that will go through hearings in the Justice Committee and then on to the Senate. Uh, if that bill is approved as written, single-event sports betting will be legalized nationwide in Canada with regulation in the hands of provinces and territories. Uh, in June, the commissioners of the NBA, NHL, MLB, MLS, and Canadian Football League wrote a letter to Prime Minister Trudeau and other top officials calling for the legalization of gambling in the country. Uh, such a move could lure gamblers away from a thriving black market, um, which obviously we've talked about this before. People are going to gamble, so you might as well give them a means to do it legally uh, and capitalize on that. Um, so it seems like Canada is on board with that. And, and recognizes that. Um, the association estimates that Canada puts an additional $3.2 billion into offshore online sports books, with only $393.9 million passing through legal Canadian channels. Uh, in, the sports, uh, in the U.S. sports betting legislation continues its uh, amazing move through the states, uh, built to legalize the practice in Arizona, passed the Senate committee on Wednesday, and could make it to the full Senate in March. Um, Louisiana is sorting out taxes and regulations after legalizing sports betting in five of its 64 parishes, uh, including the Baton Rouge and New Orleans areas. Ohio is starting to look at the issue, and numbers from some neighboring states may provide motivation to legalize. Michiganders are off to an amazing start, uh, already having wagered 115.2 million in the first 10 days of legal sports gambling in that state, generating about 4.4 million dollars in tax revenue. Uh, and Pennsylvanians placed 615.3 million in sports bets in January, 94 percent of which were placed online. Um, so, if the United States is any uh, any example, it will be a major sports betting business in Canada. Uh, now let's move on. Let's talk about the NFL and NBA stars who have been investing in the quote-unquote LinkedIn for gamers. Uh, E-Fuse has secured $6 million in investments from a collection of professional athletes, executives, and gaming influencers. The platform's goal is to bridge the gap between gamers and the opportunities in the industry. Uh, the gaming-focused social media platform uh, and uh Potentially the biggest investors, uh, the biggest named investors, at least, are Odell Beckham Jr., we talked about a little bit earlier, Ezekiel Elliott, and Seth Kurt. Uh, now, it's, the investment's going to go towards platform in, improvements and expanding the E-Fuse's user base uh, with hopes of making the video game industry more diverse. I'm not going to harp on this yeah, for too long. I think you guys get the okay, picture. Yeah, I'm really... Um, E-Fuse's user base... Uh, it hopes to make the well, video game yeah, industry I, I a lot more diverse. More and, and really what they're trying to do is they're trying to get more people into esports, more people into video game sports, um, and connect these people, uh, I've got connect these video game uh, the West athletes Coast and get that show. You know, with we got the major brand, going, get them know, major I, brand I deals, and start to do kind of what they've done um, with like skateboarding and snowboarding and things like that. Kind of bring these fringe sports into the mainstream yeah, so and make I've them more like profitable, drive some more revenue. Air, and, uh, so I'm certainly excited for that. For uh, hopefully that you company continues here? to thrive. Um, moving on, let's talk Fernando Tati. Fernando Tati's Jr. 
thinks the longest well, contract in baseball you know, history. Let's not worry about it right at the moment. Fourteen years, three hundred forty million dollar contract. Has my uh, Tatis Jr. is just twenty-two, like the youngest okay. player to make well, the cover of video game MLB okay. the show. Uh, I mean, he's an incredible player. One of my good friends. Uh, one of my good friends, Nick DiDomenico. Uh, is actually, he's the one who introduced me, um, not introduced me, but he showed me Fernando Tatis and his career and how great he is. Um, and, uh, you know, he was like, yeah, I'm great friends with this guy and he's going to be the next thing. Um, and at the time I didn't believe him. Nick, you're right. Uh, groundbreaking stuff here for baseball, for professional sports. Uh, good to see Fernando Tatis is uh, continuing on this young legacy and great trajectory that he has. Uh, we talked a little bit about StockX earlier. Uh, StockX having done incredibly well this past year, passing $400 million in revenue in 2020, according to its CEO. Again, the company owned by uh, Cleveland Cavaliers and Quicken Loans owner uh, Dan Gilbert. Now, what really pushed StockX over the hump this past year is the PlayStation and Xbox sales on the website. Um, in a stroke of genius, as we know, those new PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X sales, uh, it was really hard to get your hands on those things if you wanted them immediately. And there was a lot of reselling going on, and obviously that's what StockX does best. So, stroke of genius allowing the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series S to be sold on that platform definitely generated them a lot of revenue this past year. Uh, moving on, let's, let's talk about the Olympics. Um, <clears throat> I'm not super hopeful about the Olympics this upcoming year, but they did appoint, uh, if you'll remember, they're, they're the chief of the Olympic Committee uh, for the Tokyo Olympics had to step down um, due to some drama. We don't have to get into that again, but the Tokyo Olympics did appoint Seiko Hashimoto as the new chief. Um, he won a bronze medal in 1992 for speed skating. Um, and, you know, they're, they're really trying, uh, really trying to put this event on. We've been talking about it for months now. I don't know that it'll ever, I don't think it'll happen, um, to be quite frank. But they've sunk billions of dollars into it, and as we know, money drives everything. So the question becomes, uh, at what point do they say enough is enough? We can't keep losing money. Because if you have the event, eventually you're going to make some money back. The problem is, if you continue to lose money, you couldn't get past that threshold where it's worth it. You're already past the threshold where you're going to break even. This is going to lose money up front. The hope is, in the long term, the exposure and the residual effects um, will be enough to offset your potential losses um, in potential future gains. But there does come a point um, when you just have to eat your sunk costs and realize, hey, this thing's not worth it anymore. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, it all comes down to the COVID regulations um, and with the vaccines rolling out right now, maybe it's going to be possible. But again, an international event with tons of exposure, um, normally revenue-driven by not only the television contracts, but the people at the event, which sounds like a challenge. We'll continue to cover the Olympics. In the next uh, week or two, we'll probably have a full segment on the Olympics because 
It's it's just a massive story. We're just waiting for more news to come out. So we'll, we'll keep you upgraded there. It's coming soon. Um, let's let's talk about the sports media paywall trend. Um, so I, I don't know if everyone's familiar with a paywall. But paywall is that concept of how you can download the ESPN app and watch certain things, um, but you have to pay for ESPN Plus to watch some of the high-end content. Uh, ESPN has been leaning more and more into the model, and so has the sports media as a whole. Uh, the scores are free, but the analysis will cost you. Um, last week, Disney announced impressive growth of its streaming and subscription businesses. Again, remember, Disney owns ESPN and ABC. Disney Plus got the bulk of the attention, and rightfully as it should. It did close in on 100 million subscribers. But the earnings report also showed significant growth for ESPN Plus, which now has 12.1 million subscribers. For reference, that's almost double the 6.6 million it had a year ago. And this is one of those things where I'm saying, uh, and some people don't like this type of talk, but you've got to realize that there are some positives that came out of the pandemic. Uh, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus would not be where they were were it not for the pandemic. And they pushed forward growth. And really, some people don't love it, but I think these new subscription services are going to be great. I think it's going to save the average American money. You're no longer going to have to pay for all these channels and all these packages and things that you just didn't want in cable. You can directly target things that you're actually interested in and not pay for too many things. So you can save yourself money and improve your quality, and improve your amount of content. Um, So with that being said, paywalls have been posited as a potential savior for a lot of media outlets. Uh, A reported 76% of newspapers had paywalls in 2019, um, up from 60% two years earlier. What we're talking about there is like if you go online, see the Wall Street Journal, scroll down for like two seconds, and it's like, hey, web radio. get a subscription to watch the rest of this, to read the rest of this article. Um, so clearly, um, paywalls are the way okay. of the future, but don't think about them as a bad thing because there is a high likelihood that you're going to be saving money. No, no I have another show I'm doing at 10. Um, now, with that being said, uh, last right. quick thing in the lightning round before uh, before we wrap well, up today's I'm doing show. That. I'm right in the middle of the show, okay? Uh, let's talk about show and I gotta make that a Super Bowl streaker to put all those bets on show. Show, so. so it's actually come out um, now that you know, if you want to wait he may minute, not actually have made all the money that he said he did. I'm not sure. Uh, Bovada, one of the biggest sports books in the world, has said that they will be taking away yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and not yeah, paying out yeah. the amount of money he was supposed to win. Uh, they talked but about the integrity of that no bet being off and all these things. And it speaks to something that I said on last week's show, which is, that when you okay, start to well, mess around yeah, with Vegas, I made a mistake. when you start to mess around with these sports betting companies' money, um, you're asking for a hurting, and and we'll see how it okay. plays out. But it doesn't seem like that I, guy I can can't get talk all right money. now. Okay. And uh, with that being said, that'll close the lightning round for today. Great show. Uh, always love doing this show. It's a pleasure talking with all of you on America's Web Radio. Uh, again, back next week. Friday, same time as always. Uh, This has been Billion Dollar Ballers. I'm your host, Jack Christides. 
signing off. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.